You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Clearly, Isles, the projection is Tasmita. This is part two of the discussion that began last week about Rod Serling's non-Twilight Zones writings and teleplays, specifically the teleplay from 1960 in the presence of mine enemies. It's a teleplay that is fascinating because if you do care about Rod Serling and what he brought to the table as a writer and a thinker and a dramatist, here is where one gets an insight into his feelings about Judaism, about the role of Jews in history, and the significance of their faith and ideas. Uh, it is a story that Serling was uh, vilified for, attacked for, a story that Serling defended. But if one wants to understand uh, his point of view and perhaps why he uh, converted to uh, Christianity and the Unitarian uh, branch of Christianity, I think that this teleplay is very important. It also perhaps strikes chords to anyone who wants to uh, understand how one can deal with such intense suffering. Um, you'll hear on this program uh, a little bit of a difference of opinion between myself and Yitzchok about the central figure in the teleplay. Plus, you'll also hear a, a positive things from Neil, who was able to see the remake of this In the Presence of Mine Enemies that was done in 1997. So here it is for you, and I hope you enjoy it. Talk about uh, another uh, uh, teleplay that Rod Sterling did that he was not happy with, um, that he felt, although he definitely put a lot of soul in it uh, and a lot of his own ideas, especially I think about Judaism in it, um, it was something that did not get the universal acclaim. Uh, I think I sent both of you Jack Gould's New York Times review of it the day after, and he he praised it as a, as a, a very moving piece. Um, but it is something which I think is worth discussing about, and that is um, based on the, the the title comes from, of course, Tehillim Chod Gimel, uh, where we say Tarach Lofanei Shulchan Neged Tzirarai, and before that, of course, we say Gamki Eilach Begeit Salmoves that Tillam 23 is all about yea though I walk in the valley of death I know God is with me the valley of death the gates I'll love us of course is the Warsaw ghetto and Neged the the uh in the presence or right in front of my enemies is in presence of mine enemies is the title of a Warsaw ghetto tragedy um the 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 teleplay is about the period uh, right before the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, about three or four months before uh, the Ghetto Uprising. And uh, uh, there had already been um, a number of uh, dramatizations and discussions about the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. Uh, Not only was it extolled in Israel as the ultimate sign of Gura, uh, John Hershey had written um, a book about it called The Wall, 
um, Leon Uris, who we'll mention in a couple of minutes about his, he also had written uh, Mila 18, which was also about uh, a family in the Warsaw Ghetto. And what occurred there, Serling decided he was going to write a drama, uh, a whole totally original about a family in the Warsaw Ghetto. Uh, the main character is a rabbi who uh, is besieged by uh, the congregants and people in the Warsaw Ghetto uh, to do what he can, to daven, to pray. Um, the opening and I, 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 the opening scene of the teleplay is that they are at an aktion. They're at a place where the, Jew, the names of all the uh, Jews who are going to be sent to their death uh, to the concentration camp is occurring. And the rabbi is there with his younger daughter, a 19-year-old girl, and um, they have been spared being sent from to the death camp to be killed. But they are in basically a death camp as it is, uh, as, as the, uh, the placard that this describes the situation, people are being killed all the time in this ghetto. The ghetto is a place of extermination. Sterling doesn't um, mince words about that. It's clear that anybody who lives there is, is, is basically waiting to die. Uh, the rabbi, uh, in, in, in the teleplay, he's played by Charles Lawton, um, that Serling was very unhappy with that choice. He, he might not have had much of a choice, but it was an all-star cast. Charles Lawton played the rabbi. Um, a Susan Conner, who was a standout actress uh, in the 1950s, she played in Imitation of Life, uh, the girl who was um, a white-skinned colored girl, as it was called, um, in Douglas Sirk's uh, Imitation of Life. Um, it also had in it uh, Oscar Hamolka, who was a character actor that Hitchcock used all the way back in the 30s and 40s. Um, he played the, um, the Polish friend of the rabbi who plays chess with him and sneaks him food. That's sort of the Tarach Lafonai Shulchan Yitzchak. Here's the table. The table is being, is being from these black market goods. Uh, it also has in it um, the very first uh, performance of Robert Redford. Robert Redford uh, plays the, uh, a young German sergeant. Serling made great pains to write later that he was not technically a Nazi, although he was clearly... <laughs> I don't know if Serling historically could have been correct. Anybody who rose to the rank of sergeant, although he was supposedly from Bavaria and didn't know much about Jews and never seen them, Serling felt that he was not a Nazi, but he's clearly working for a Nazi. Um, the commandant, the one who's controlling uh, the whole ghetto, uh, is, 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 is a character here. Um, and also a, a number, uh, the, the rabbi's son. The rabbi's son again, played by a guy with a wonderful Jewish name, Arthur Kennedy, uh, a wonderful actor who was in, who, who's one of the most underrated and significant actors of the 1940s and 50s and early 60s. Arthur Kennedy plays his young son who has escaped from a German uh, prison camp and returns to the ghetto in order to connect himself with the underground to revolt and to kill as many Poles and, and Germans as he can. Um, the basic drama of the, of, the, of the teleplay is, is that since the Nazis are looking for this escaped 
criminal, the rabbi's son, the commandant spies when he goes into the rabbi's house, the comely daughter. And the, um, he sends his sergeant, the Redford character, to procure the daughter. To bring. There is a scene where the commandant, played by McDonald McCready, describes how it's moral to, to kill the Jews, how it's moral to hate the Jews, how it's moral to, to invest them with every evil thing because this was, the, this was what they needed in order to unify Germany as a country. And it therefore helps Germany. It helps Germany. It helps so many millions of people who will be helped by the German Reich by having the Jew as the focal point to hate. This gives them a unified spirit that they need. And of course, they're going to make the world better by taking over the world and refashioning it. And having the Jew to hate is really one of the means of doing that. It's an incredibly evil speech that, 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 that shocks the character that's being told to. And I'm not sure if, if Serling saw it written somewhere that way, but it, it, it's very chilling when you hear that. The point is, he then says that if, it's, if I, could, uh, I, could, I could really throw her to the concentration camp right now, instead, I want to use her. Bring her to me. I want to use her as, a, as an object of sexual pleasure. And um, the, the sergeant complies, because what else could he do? Um, he, but he realizes that what he's, according, you know, as the, as the teleplay goes on, that what he has done, he's been a, he's, he has aided and abetted uh, this terrible evil, because, you know, the film, even though it was 1960, you know, somewhat early, the term rape was used, and you know that is really what happened. Uh, it wasn't just that he kissed her or made love to her. This was this was a, a brutal rape that, and just like, at least in the teleplay, it was very similar to Tamar and Amnon, where I hate her. I don't want to see her. I've used her, you know, throw her out. It's almost like the Nazi hates himself for what he's done. Um, and it's at that point that the rabbi loses it. And he loses his faith. He loses his ability to, to pray for babies that are dying. Um, he's talking to himself like Tevi a little bit, but also talking to God. And he speaks to God, and he doesn't believe that God is listening. In fact, his son has been telling him, his son who's returned has been telling him, and Arthur Kennedy, his character, Paul, I think his name is in the in in in, in the teleplay. He tells him how that that God is with the Nazis now, and that God is is how evil what God is doing, and that God hates us, and that the Jews for all the, the rabbi can do nothing. His Torah, his tefillah, his his learning, his Talmud, they're all meaningless. They don't mean anything. They they are they're, they're, they 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 they're inconsequential, and that by holding on to it and not trying. To join him in trying to uh, to attack and rise up and do something, he's in a way causing more Jews to be killed. Um, the rabbi, for his part, accuses his son of adapting the same barbaric principles that the Nazis are using. And in one scene, Yitzchok, you might remember, uh, where uh, what happens is he he comes into the into the room and he says the only Nazi I see here is you because of the way you're speaking the fact that you would want all Poles to be killed the fact that you have no 
uh, all you want is revenge and death. This is really the ideas that that uh, that's what's causing the Reich, giving the Reich power. Um, and what 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 occurs is that uh, two events that show the righteousness of the Gentiles um, is that the Polish friend Oscar Hamolko plays uh, Joseph Chirik, I think his name is Chirik, who is his friend who smuggles food with him and plays chess with him when they are, um, uh, after the rape, the brother decides, like Absalom, he's going to go and um, wreak revenge and sneak into the, the commandant's office and kill him when the, uh, the Nazis come to the building and say, if you don't give us the murderer, we're going to destroy the building. We're going to, we're going to kill everyone in the building and we're going to we're going to burn it um he sat the polish friend of the rabbi oscar Molka's character steps out and says it's me it wasn't a jew who did it i'm the one who killed him and before he does that he he sort of admits that the poles have been have not been doing enough that the poles have just allowed themselves to witness this they, they maybe weren't the ones that herded the Jews into the cattle cars, but they allowed the Nazis to take over and to impress themselves in such, in such a way, he felt that he was doing penance. And like, like Christ, in a way, he said he's going to give his life uh, and, and say he's the murderer in order to save the building. Uh, after that occurs, uh, the rabbi is in a, such a tailspin over, over what's happening um, the only thing that seems to bring him out of his uh, his situation is is that with his daughter pregnant now with this Nazi seed inside of her, um, the the young sergeant who has had a couple of minutes with her, who has seen her nobility, has seen the way she carried herself, hates himself for what he did, somehow has found himself in love with her. And he comes to the rabbi begging for forgiveness for his people and for himself in particular, and says he has the chance to be able to smuggle her out and to perhaps you get the idea that somehow she might survive as, <laughs> as his wife somehow outside, if he can somehow get her out of the, out of the ghetto. And the rabbi and his son, the son here is, and you can hear that the with the teleplay, with the bombs, and with the and with the machine gun fire, that the revolution, the revolt on Pesach, 1943, had already started, and that he was going to join the, the, in his own way. The rabbi mentions, and, and I don't know if this was a the speech that Serling puts into the rabbi's mouth, is that there is no, the world is such a madhouse, the, the world is always going to be careening towards terrible things happening. Um, it's those moments of clarity within the madness where humanity shows itself. And the rabbi says that you can never get the tableau that you want that's totally moral and good. But within that, you can invest yourself as a human being and be something great, even though you might fail and you probably will. And it's in those moments, he says, that mankind shows that they aren't, they haven't been reduced to becoming monsters. 
Now, this was, again, uh, it's not a Talmudic speech. It's not a rabbinic speech. It's Serling's ideas in the mouth of the rabbi. And they both go out to face the bullets, uh, this one son holding his, his weapons, and the rabbi in the teleplay uh, holding his book. <laughs> I don't know, it, it, Serling doesn't say it's the Talmud, but you get a sense that maybe he's going out there. And that's, again, how the, the, the teleplay ends. Uh, before we talk about it, I wanted to say that it was the last of Playhouse 90s, which glorious run. And I mentioned before that the switchboards lit up. Well, the switchboards lit up in CBS uh, after Playhouse 90 as well. And, I, I'm, gonna, and, I, and I'm gonna read you Leon Uris's telegram and this is what he wrote, and it, he he it was an op it was a telegram that he said was an open letter to CBS. He says, "I cannot conceive how you would permit such an insult and defamation of the Jewish people by public mudslinging on the graves of half a million Jews who were killed in the Warsaw Ghetto." The historical inaccuracies, well, <laughs> it definitely was that. I mean, no starving. If, we have movies of the Warsaw Ghetto. None of those people looked starving the way the people in the Warsaw Ghetto looked. Uh, the caricature of characterization, and maybe we'll see if you believe Neil. And Neil, you didn't see the teleplay, but you, you saw something different. We'll talk about what you saw in a minute. And absolute false conflicts were a crying deception of the public. Goebbels himself could not have produced such a piece of Nazi apologetics. I demand that CBS burn the negative of the film and publicly apologize for the scandal. That's what That was what Leon Uris, who was even at that time, the author of Battle Cry and Exodus, later um, QB7, um, Mila 18, uh, one of the most celebrated of the Jewish novelists of that time. Uh, Neil, we'll get to you in a second. I know Yitzchak, you were watching this uh, on your way <laughs> back and forth from work. What was your feeling about it? Do you think it's something like a gem like patterns that Yitzchak? I, I don't know. I don't know if I would say it's a gem, but I also don't know. I... I don't think it's as bad as as Uris was saying. I think it, there's a lot of hubris there for anyone to be demanding anything there to to go and, and you know what the the response was was you know that the Nazis you know believe in burning books and and you know that's your response to this. It's uh, it, it, there's a certain tremendous hubris and almost a, a little bit of the fulfillment of what. What the rabbi says to his son Paul that you know that he is the Nazi there you know and and that there is something to that in the in in the discussion there but uh, it certainly is a curiosity it certainly is something uh, you know uh, you know especially in the light of later films that you know I, I only ever watched Schindler's List the one time when it was broadcast on television and. And, uh, you know, I, it was the Ford Foundation trying to do their penance uh, <laughs> yeah. by presenting, uh, presenting Schindler's List on television. And uh, again, uh, hearkening back to this, you know, there, there are a lot of themes that you find in, in Schindler's List that really are, I think, brought out first here. I wonder if, if Spielberg was familiar with this work, if he had if he was somewhat uh, influenced by it. There's also a lot of, you know, like you're saying, Tevye, there's a lot of the Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, again, before Fiddler on the Roof came out, even though the, the Shalom Aleichem stories existed and the, and the 
the the movie version Tevia, which is, it doesn't have, which I like better than Fiddler on the Roof, but doesn't have this, the aspects that you have here of how you know these the three members of this family are each going in a different direction uh, in their own way, and they're you know that aspect of it that you know each one is is seeking their own path. Um, I know Yitzhak, you had something to say about the names of each character. Uh, what did you think was unique about the names of the rabbi, the son, and the daughter? Well, uh, the the most striking, you know, a name, Rachel, Rachel, that's a very common Jewish name, but she's also, Rachel means a lamb, so she's, she's a lamb to the slaughter, but she's also rescued um, from the... Uh, you know, by after that, and then then the other two characters, um, you know, and and of course there there is you know you know the name of Redford's character is Lot, <laughs> right? I'm not sure if it's Lot. I don't know, but but he's the one who gets out of stone, right? Right. Like, right. So his name is Lot, which I don't know. If Sterling was trying to play a theme over there about uh, about Lot or not, but yes. Yeah, I mean, so Rachel and what and, and the rabbi has an interesting name. The rabbi's son, the rabbi's son being named Paul is the most striking, not a very Jewish name, you know, and, and is he representing, you know, something, you know, of, of the convert of the the heretic of I mean certainly that's that's who he is, but is he is he supposed to be you know, is this Paul on the road to Damascus is his is his uh, deviation from from tradition, I see. Uh, you know, a Christian is uh, a, some somewhat of a parallel to a Christian one. Certainly, there are a lot of references to Christianity in the movie. Both sure, he know. tells him he tells him that the Nazis have basically uh, are only paying lip service to Christ. Paul which is, does, which, Paul... which is the the history of of Nazism that that Hitler Yamashimo he called it positive Christianity in the sense of the it's, it's a Christianity with only thou shalt and no thou shalt not you know that was the odd I I often see it as like the the pagan parts of Christianity without the the Judeo Christian parts of Christianity mm -hmm. but, 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 but I think the most telling name is the name of the rabbi himself uh, the rabbi is, is, is Rabbi Adam Heller yeah <laughs> They're all suffering in, in, in their hell, although Heller, of course, is is is, is a rabbinical name, the, the Toysus Yontiv. Sure. The, but again, we, we know from... Adam is not a very common rabbinical name. There, there was Rav Adam Baal Shem. There were a few, a few people named Adam, but it wasn't very... Not, not so a why, very so why name. do you think Serling chose this rabbi to be called Adam then? To, to me, I think it's that he's representing something primordial, something ancient, uh, you know, that he's Adam Arishon, that, that's the, uh, and, and that he's also engaging somewhat in an original sin by, uh, by, you know, looking the other way, by, you know, eating from his tree of knowledge in a certain sense that, that you know, what, what the way Sterling is seeing is, the, is the, the, the sin of the knowledge of that. I mean, the, the interesting thing is, you know, when when uh, Paul says to his father, he says, you know, where where in your books does it say that it's okay to allow this? And you know, if if it was a case where it became comes a redifus, there's parish of Mishnah 
you know, I don't, I don't really want to mention like that because it's a horrific thing and we should never need to know such things in the world. But, but when, when someone is named as it would seem, and it would almost seem as if everybody else is in danger because of that. Okay. Know. You're saying the, 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 the Bryce about Shibi he should have given up his, his son because they're asking for him specifically. Well, also, or, or before that, when, they, when they're asking for the daughter in the, in the ten Achas Mehen, when the Tama is Kulan, it's a Beferish Mishnah. I, I understand you, Tzok. But, but Paul actually upbraids his father for not fighting. Paul yeah. says it's the father's fault for letting. And remember, in, in, in the teleplay, the character played by Charles Lawton, uh, and I have to admit, I was impressed by Charles Lawton's ability to say Shalom Aleichem and to, and to, say the, to use the Ches. He, he wasn't too bad in terms yeah. of his, his bituyim were as good as, if better than Rod Steiger in The Chosen. Uh, but yeah. I, you know, I, I had a hard time really believing it. I think a lot of it he plays in a very schmaltzy way. And I think one of the things, other than Leon Uris's, still criticism, better than Olivier and, and the Jassim. <laughs> well, one of the things that that, that Leon, let's take, forget about Leon Uris's criticism, which you know he felt that 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 he was it was it was an apologetic that there are two. The, you have the the Oscar Hamolka character. The only pole that you see is not the Poles that we know were, were happy at taking over Jewish homes and pushing them in the gas chamber, but a Pole who's different. And the only, and, and, and 50% of the Nazi characters, one of them is, 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 is Robert Redford. You know, is, We didn't know who he was Robert Redford yet, but he's, he's great looking, he's, he cries, he begs for forgiveness. Leon Uris felt that it was only 15 years since the Holocaust you, you you need to paint these people as demonic. You have to see it as something terrible um, and, and, and recognize it, that what Serling was doing, he gave them, he made, he, he felt that Serling had, had given them too much dignity, had given them as if the Nazis really had a code of, some sort of code of honor in some way. And uh, I understand where Eurus is coming from, but what I couldn't stand about the movie and the teleplay is, is how bumbling the rabbi is. He does have his moment of, of, of surreal understanding at the end, but that he, 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 he doesn't represent the greatness of the rabbis like the Pia Setzner and Rabbi Nachum Zemba and the Rabbonim that we know uh, were Machazic people with Emunah. Um, they weren't just people who, who, who were happy that they had bread and wine and nobody else had. I mean, even the very first scene, Yitzchak, where he and his daughter are, are celebrating the fact that they're alive. We're alive, we're alive, Father. We should be happy we're alive, yes. Our, our friends are being taken, it's so terrible that everyone's gone, but we need to be besimcha, that we are still given another day of life to be alive. I, I, I thought that those attitudes and feelings were not something to ascribe to the rabbi. Now, you know, whoever did the set designing and the teleplay, Yitzchak, put pictures of various Rabbanim. There was a picture of the Vilna Gon that you could see. There was a picture of the Rambam, um, and the famous non-picture of who the Rambam was. And I was thinking how, how these men that were lining the rabbi's walls um, wrote and lived in a way that, that, that shed such an embarrassing light on this mocking figure, this, this, this sort of Tevye-like character who who, who's doddering 
who, who talks about the old days, who likes playing chess. Um, uh, this, it, 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 to me, it, it, it shows that Serling, and we know he uh, converted to the Unitarian Church uh, to marry his wife. He knew he was a Jew, but he really thought Judaism and it's what it had to contribute authentically from a Jewish perspective was little to the advancements of humanity. Um, he believed the universal aspect of, 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 of ideas. This was something, I think this was, in many ways, if we want to talk about Serling as a Jew, I think we have, we have to go over here. Now, I, I wanted to include Neil in this discussion. Neil wasn't able to find the, 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 the link on YouTube because it, it just recently got uploaded. But Neil went ahead and discovered the remake of this that was made into a TV movie, I think in 1997, by Joan Micklin Silver, who Yitzchak directed two of the great uh, 80s Jewish movies, Hester Street and Crossing Delancey, um, wanted to put to restore this in a, in a bigger way. Neil, the synopsis. I, 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 just, I, just, I just want to say one thing is that, you know, unfortunately, and, you know, and not that we're anybody to be judging, but it not mess, you know, this earlier in history, excuse me, you know, there was, you know, during the Cantonist decrees, there was, unfortunately, there was, and other parts of Russian history and earlier, that the, the Rabonim, unfortunately, were not always the most noble figures, and that's what drew, drove oh, okay. away uh, from Yiddishkeit. Uh, Yitzchak, but when, when you are putting on Playhouse 90 for yeah. America, this is, this, this is a prestige production of 90 minutes where you have a captive audience. What you want to do is, 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 is promote the best things of Judaism for people to understand how horrible the Nazi extermination plan was. It wasn't just their oh they're human beings and, and we're going to show them and their and their weaknesses. It would be a, a place to, but Serling was unaware of it. So I, I don't I, I agree with you. Not every rov in the Warsaw ghetto was the Piasetsner. Not everyone was 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 l'shem. I'm sure there were rabbanim who might have their amuna might have been shaken and they might have lost their marbles for a while. But but is this the image that you want to promote? This is the first rabbi of the Warsaw Ghetto shown on television. Is this is this the rabbi you want to show? It's not the story we would tell, but it's the story the Unitarian wants to tell. Right. So that's what I mean. So this is why I'm saying it's in a way it's Serling's Holocaust story, but it's also Serling's, I believe, justification for why he left Judaism and why he believes, although he knew he was a born Jew, he didn't identify himself as a Jew by the time uh, he died. Neil, you saw this 97 version. How, how was it? I thought that it was a very well done movie. I thought Armin Mueller-Stahl, if I'm pronouncing that right. Mm -hmm. I know him from Avalon. I yes. think he was excellent. I didn't know until I heard you gentlemen talking about it, if things were changed or not. Now I can tell you with confidence things were changed. They still attribute the script. I don't think anyone else is attributed with changing the script, but it was definitely changed. Um, I think a lot of the criticisms you're saying, I recommend that people see this movie. 
I think camps should maybe show it. That's when in my life I've seen Holocaust movies on Tishabov in camps and summer camps. And um, the first two people I, I would like to see watch it is is you guys. <laughs> I recommend you watch it. I think that the 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 horribleness of the Holocaust is portrayed. The 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 you know insane you know cruelty of the Nazis is showed, and the complexity of the rabbi is showed. It's not simple. He he at some point seems to lose his faith, and then right after that he is a rabbi again. Um, he doesn't stop being a rabbi. He doesn't stop being a person of faith. And I don't want to give it away, but they really change the ending. And he's not, I'll just say he's not some wimpy, given up, confused, broken. I, 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 I see him as, as, the big, as the bigger hero because he, he only lapses briefly in, in, his, in his Amuna. In the end, he holds on to his traditions, you know, in, in a way I was comparing it to another Holocaust story about that they made the Dintera in the camp and they put, they put a Kodesh Baruch Kiviochel mm-hmm. on trial and they found he was Chayiv and then they said, well, what are we going to do? We're, well, we still have to daven, you know, and they, and I know the BBC produced that story, uh, the famous story uh, once for, for television. God but, on trial, it was called. God yeah. on trial. Yeah, and and here you don't have that whole drama, but the fact that he doesn't in in the original version, and it, it seems like you're saying it's different. You know, he doesn't become the uh, he he doesn't fight against his son's way, but he also doesn't follow it. He has to follow his own way, which is uh, you know Al Derech Yisrael Sabo, and he's not going to waver from that, and he's not he's not gonna. He's not going to schmad oath to what you know what what he you know condemned as being a Jewish Nazi, and but and he's not and it, while he's he's uh, allowing his daughter to escape because of kedusha sachayim that he recognizes, but he's he's going to go out. He recognizes that because of this act activity that his son is participating in, they're all going to die, and he's going to die, but he's. He's not going to die with a gun in his hand. He's going to die with a gemara in his hand. And mm-hmm. I think, that, to me, that 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 and and even though he's, you know, if, if you know his loss of faith in God that he mentions is more of a loss of faith in himself. That why is he the one that that is going to pray for this baby who's dying? He's not worthy for that. He's not. It's it's not. It's not that God doesn't exist. It's as as much as that it is. You know, I mean, we see in Tanakh, you know, that we're not deserving, and we and we lose when we when we don't deserve. You know, all right, right. Yitzchak, again, Rod Serling in his Olam Emes would be happy with your with your you know whitewashing the yeah. way the rabbi spoke. What he says in the teleplay is, "I don't see a baby. I don't see anything. Everything's the same." He he doesn't give a, a, a wit of compassion and sympathy. To this woman who's holding a a dead baby, you're right. Maybe that's what was going on in his mind. But the words that Serving put in the mouth of that character, which Lawton, you know, as a as a one of the most experienced English actors of the time, was able to say, did not have any of that element in it. It was, um, you know, and, and I oh, think... certainly at that point he was lost, and he was, and he was, and he he. he... 
he he had he he fell down from his madrega and he and he wasn't he 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 was being cowardly but in the end when when it's it's all over at the end he he doesn't he doesn't abandon he doesn't go and join his son I understand can, and and basically he's going to his death you know he's going out uh into the you know into the Warsaw ghetto complex to to be part of uh, the revolt in a way but to in a way, I guess to try to to strengthen people in Amuna, if that's if you think that's what, what what's going on. I don't know if it's even strengthening in Amuna. It, it might still be that selfish aspect that he's going out on his own. He's but he's not he's not picking up a gun. You know that's that's the point is that he's not becoming that which he condemned, even though he might feel guilty, he might feel lost, he might feel, but he just he cannot change who he is and i, I think neil, neil um serling when he when he wrote back to Eurus, he sort of deflected blame from himself by saying that lawton was not the right choice and that he played the character in a way that seemed somewhat silly and buffoonish and 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 and, and, and compromising you mentioned armin stahl who i i really feel the movie avalon is an interesting flawed film but also not a Jewish actor. Um, is there some? What's wrong with this picture that you don't put a, 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 a have a Jewish actor play a rabbi? I mean, did, did, you didn't. Did you feel Armenstahl understood and inhabited the I role did. of rabbi? I did. In fact, I once met Barry Levinson and I asked him why he doesn't, you know, admit that that it's a Jewish family and that it was a seder and not a Thanksgiving dinner. That there's a big scene at, scene at, and and he said, "You're right. It it is. I just didn't feel a need to identify it as Jewish. But I I felt that in that movie he struck me as Jewish, and in this movie where he's supposed to be a rabbi, even more so. so. And small uh, spoiler alert: he does um, hold and use a gun in this movie. I won't say how or what <laughs> or when, and he really." I thought did come across as as sympathetic and a man of faith. There were moments when he and other characters were heavy like or were a little caricature, Shamalekamish like. But overall, I really do recommend seeing this movie. I think Leon Uris would probably like it. That could be my like blurb for the review. <laughs> Leon Uris would would have approved. Well, I think what you know in the presence of mine enemies and and other films shows you that the Holocaust is a place that is continuously gone back to by Hollywood and television. Um, it, it, it hasn't lost its, its allure as a place to play out these dramas. I have a hard time seeing them. Um, I mentioned how fat Charles Lawton was, and you know, you know, there's no way he could have been such of a robust uh, weight in the, uh, you know, in the Warsaw ghetto. Right. But, but part of what it's hard for me as a as a Holocaust child, to see wow. any of these, um, you know, recreations, mm-hmm. um, I, I I sort of, you know, I, I mentioned to Yitzchak about Schindler's List. Spielberg, who really did it as a labor of love, and really felt he was dedicating his life that there should be a, a lasting monument, because you know, as you know, Spielberg, uh, concurrent to making Schindler's List, he also was behind the Witness Project of having as many Holocaust survivors come and speak and film them in a way that their stories could be preserved. So I, I'm not going to take anything away from Spielberg or from Schindler's List or the intention. Just me, 
I, I have this idea of Spielberg, like in the background saying, okay, what can we do with the CGI to make the bones show up more on these people? How can we make it, like I can see Spielberg like with images from the, the Nazis films of the concentration camps or the ghettos and saying, let's make it look more like this. And, and it's hard for me not to see the puppet strings. And, 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 and I think because of that, I guess I was, I'm always adverse uh, to any sort of thing like this. Um, I have to tell you, in the original film, in the teleplay, I mentioned um, uh, the all-star cast. I also want to mention one of the supporting players who maybe, Neil, I don't know if he shows up in the, in the remake. Um, there's the, the carpenter who's sort of insane a little bit, who thinks he can hide. And he's, it's played by Sam Jaffe, um, who was in Ben-Hur and in many other uh, films, always playing a Jew. Uh, in, in Gentleman's Agreement, he plays an Einstein-like uh, scientist. Uh, so Sam, Sam Jaffe, I think he plays Israel, who is always telling the rabbi about his idea of a, um, there's a secret compartment we can build, uh, there's, uh, uh, we can raise the floor, and he's got all these plans of how the Jews can hide and survive. Right. And when they come, when his name is finally called, Serling has a scene where this character runs into his apartment and he hasn't done anything. He's been talking about it, of his secret places. He's been talking about all the things he's going to build, hmm. but he hasn't done anything. And, and I thought that was a, 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 a very interesting character uh, a, a, and a, a really a way of how to cope with what you know is imminent death uh, with, with, with plots and plans that you know you can't do. And you know you can't fulfill. And uh, when when the Nazis come and get him, he believes in his mind that he is hiding. He believes that he is behind some sort of panel door that he created, which of course he never did. I don't know if such a if they if they if in the huh. remake there was such a character. No. But, but to me, that is something that I can think about and say, hmm. Again, maybe it's because I'm a, we're all rabbis here, and I hate seeing rabbis presented in such a buffoonish way that I think Lawton portrayed him. Uh, and, but the idea that being in the valley of death uh, and having that table set in front of you, so to speak, uh, and how you react, I thought that was an interesting three, four minutes of, and, and, and it led Jaffe, who was, a, again, he's, he's excellent in almost every film that he's in. He's been hers uh, servant and uh, He's always really, I think, as we say, a, 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 a credit <laughs> to, to playing a, a, a great Jewish. Some of the people we've been talking about, Richard Kiley, Sam Jaffe, Nazis, they show up in Serling's pilot for, we, were, we weren't going to go out of the zone, but in Night Gallery, the very first Night Gallery uh, has three episodes in it. One of them, of course, is the famous one that Spielberg directed with Joan Crawford, uh, and Tom Bosley, but the other one, the last one, is called Escape Route, and it's got Richard Kiley, the original Fred Staples from 1955 Patterns, 14 years later, playing an escaped Nazi from South, who's, who, the, who the Israeli Mossad is chasing throughout South America, who somehow finds himself in, in a museum where he goes to look at a picture every day 
that even though he has a terrible past, he goes to look at this picture of a man on a boat. And somehow, through his wishing, he's able to put himself into that boat. And although he lived horribly as a Nazi guard or a commandant that's on the Mossad's list, Kylie playing this Nazi is able to, um, and with Serling's magical uh, screen, magical teleplay, he's able to put himself into this calm, beautiful place. Well, the Israelis are after him. And one of the reasons they're after him is because Sam Jaffe <laughs> is somehow there at the museum and recognizes him as the, de the death angel that he remembers from the camps. And he, uh, um, Kylie kills Sam Jaffe because he's worried he's going to spill the beans. Um, but as the, uh, the, Israeli, as the Israeli officers are after him, he runs into the museum in order to escape into the picture. Uh, I don't want to give more of that away, what happens to him about what occurs. Uh, okay, I'll give it away. What happens to him is that the, chip, the picture gets changed. So instead of the picture being the old man in the sea, where he's able to live out his life in a, in a, in a, in a portrait uh, fishing, which is what, what he really wanted to do, that, the, that's the way he sort of like assages his guilty conscience. What he ends up doing is not realizing that the picture that they had put there was a picture of Christ on the cross. Mm -hmm. So instead, the Nazi finds himself in agony. So I mean, you know, there was a very famous, you know, that the controversy that I think was Pope John Paul, he said that, you know, the he made a connection between the the suffering of 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 their of of their Jesus and between the, the suffering of the Jews in the Holocaust and how that, that he made a parallel between those and a lot of Jewish people were offended by it, but it was really bringing out that that same idea that, that Serling is bringing here, you know, it's, uh, I mean, here it's a little bit different because right, it, very it, similar. It, to... there, I think there it's, it's, it's more blasphemous because uh, to have the Nazi have that, you know, what, what the Christians would see as, as a schus, it's, it's much more repugnant, I think, than, than to say, you know, the, 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 the you know, Tzadikim, you know, like there's, yeah, yeah. Right. It, it's very similar, Yitzchak, to we talked about Namaya Persov, who played a Nazi in one of a Nazi U-boat commander in one of Serling's Twilight Zone episodes. I, I plan to see his nephew this Shabbos. So, yeah. yeah. So Namaya, you remember Neil? You might remember that episode where this Nazi is um, is really he's in a type of dream that he's having, where he's still the U-boat commander, and um, somehow I think his hell is that he gets. He be, he sees that it's himself that's on the boat, right? That he that um, so this idea of turnaround of the of the victim of the of of the oppressor becoming the victim and recognizing that and recognizing that in himself. I think this was Serling. Serling was very into that, and I think that was a lot of what of, of the Nazi era held for him. I don't think, and as we end here, I don't think it was. In a way, uh, uh, like unlike Spielberg, who I think rediscovered his strong Judaism through the stories of those that suffered in the Holocaust, to Spielberg, this was just fodder for him for his his worldview. Um, and, I, it, it, and I agree with Neil. Even if you're just a Serling fan, 
uh, it's worth it's worth discovering the, the stuff where he was out of the zone. Well, that's about it, my friends. Watch your stuff on the way out. We'll catch you soon. We'll catch you soon next week. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 